0: welcome back to the podcast today we're coming to you again from warsaw poland in just a couple of days we will be leading a world war ii trip which will explore the history here in warsaw as well as one of our favorite cities krakow and we'll also be visiting auschwitz and birkenau concentration camps so it's going to be a very powerful and special experience you might not realize it but as a parent you have a moral obligation make sure that your child or children are not annoying. Why? Because in order for your children to function normally in the world and to have a healthy, happy life, they need to be able to interact effectively in society. They can't do this if they haven't gained the skills of social interaction. One of the major signs that they are lacking these skills is if they have annoying behaviors. If your children are annoying to you, They're also annoying to others, and that's a problem. If a young child develops annoying behavior, and we discuss why this happens in the episode, they don't fully understand why others find them annoying. And so they grow up knowing that people don't like them, but not understanding why they're not liked. This is psychologically unhealthy. If you want your child to be able to develop healthy, long lasting relationships with others, which is essential for a life of happiness and fulfillment, then they must learn the skills of effective human interaction, and it is your job as a parent to teach them. This isn't about conforming to social norms and expectations or worrying about what other people think. It's about developing solid, principle-based social leadership skills. If you have children who have annoying behavior now or might have annoying behavior in the future, then you need to listen to this episode now. In it, we share specific strategies and principle-based techniques helping children and adults develop healthy self and social leadership skills if you've ever felt a desire to have more influence with your children and to help improve their behavior then you don't want to miss this if you have teens or young adults and would like to help them improve their behavior it's not too late and we can help you it's crucial for teens or young adults to develop holistically including developing social skills and reducing annoying behavior We can help you do this when you register them for our Habits for a Successful Life online class. We recognize as parents that the healthiest and happiest people on the planet are well-rounded in their development, mental, emotional, spiritual, physical, social, financial, and we wanted to ensure that our teens would learn how to develop in each of these areas. We couldn't find classes that taught them how to do these things including developing leadership skills. So we created our own class based off of decades of research into peak performance and human development. That is what the Habits for a Successful Life class is all about. And teens absolutely love it, as well as parents. Here's what one parent recently said. It has been life-changing for us in such a short time and created excitement and passion in our homeschool journey versus the overwhelm and confusion we were living in. The Habits for a Successful Life class becomes one of their favorite classes ever, and it helps them to develop better habits and an understanding of themselves, human psychology, social interaction, and the ingredients for creating a happy life. Click the link in the show notes to learn more and to read the reviews from students and parents. Thank you so much to those of you who have recently left reviews on our podcast. We really appreciate it. And you're helping to spread the message of creating an extraordinary family life. Living an extraordinary life with your family is possible when you have the right tools, strategies, and principles, and that's why this podcast exists, to share the tools we've discovered and the strategies that work. You can help too. Share an episode with someone you know who would appreciate it or leave a review telling us when and where you listen and what impact, if any, it's had in your life. We truly believe that happy, extraordinary families start with happy, extraordinary, thriving parents who in turn raise happy, thriving children. Together, we have a positive impact on our communities, which leads to better nations and a better world. You make an impact by becoming the best version of yourself as an individual spouse and parent, and then inspiring and guiding those closest to you, your spouse and children, to become their best selves. This is how you change the world. Thank you so much for listening. If you're not already, make sure to follow our travel adventures on Instagram. You can find us at WorldSchoolFamily or at greg.denning
1: ladies and gentlemen welcome to the extraordinary family life podcast we're your host greg and rachel denning if you're just joining us or new we're bringing this show temporarily from the beautiful city of warsaw poland we're out traveling uh, with our family we've been out on this trip for six weeks now? Yeah. <laughs> six weeks of awesomeness through Scandinavia and the Baltic states and just out exploring with our kids. Just having well, I'll pause here for a second. Like, is gathering great memories and priceless experiences is just that. It's it's priceless. It's one of the most valuable things you can do as a family. And it's one of the uh, we think best and most effective ways to grow and expand and learn and build relationships now obviously you can go out and travel and, and it doesn 't help your relationships because well and this we 're talking about today you gotta, you got to work on it it has to be deliberate and proactive to get get all that stuff dialed in so you know travel doesn 't fix your problems if you take your problems with you, but it is one of the best. Ways to create memories that you have forever.
0: Well, it can be a facilitator or it can be leverage for growth and development.
1: Yep. It's great leverage. Awesome. It's
0: used properly.
1: Yep. Okay, so today, let's just dive right in. It is your responsibility and obligation to make sure your kids are not annoying. Now, there's a lot to that. And we want to kind of explore that whole idea, but it must start with that fundamental premise that it is your responsibility as their parents to make sure your kids are not annoying. And that's to to teach them and lead them and guide them not to manipulate or scare or threaten or abuse
0: well, sometimes that's why kids are annoying. It's because parents are doing that.
1: Exactly. But
0: I think we have to kind of back up and because I know there's some people, I know I used to kind of think like this, where I felt there was something wrong with me if I found my kids annoying. And there's definitely truth to that. Like, oh, it's my problem if I'm annoyed by my kids.
1: Absolutely. What, I want to I wanna circle back to that one. <laughs> right.
0: But what we want to address today is this idea that it's your responsibility to make sure your kids aren't annoying because if your kids are annoying to you, It's likely they're annoying to other people, and when they are annoying to other people, you're actually doing them a disservice. Massive. They are not, especially as children, they're not able to comprehend why their behavior is annoying to people, and if you never teach them why, then they never learn appropriate social skills of, like, how do I have interactions with people without annoying them to death, right? Like, how do I... This, this is when you fill in a word for me because I'm like, what's the word? How do I comport? My, that's not even the right word. How do I portray myself? How do I carry myself in the world so that I am not annoying? And we think, well, that's just other people's problem if they're annoyed by me or annoyed by my kid. And you're like, yeah, there is truth to that. But at the same time, if you want to have healthy long-lasting relationships with people which we all do you have to learn how to curve that annoyingness yep. or you're gonna constantly be pushing people away and you're gonna be lonely and miserable exactly so if you don't help your child understand all of those aspects of of social interaction you are doing them a disservice because they go through the world annoying people and then wondering why nobody likes them
1: yeah and that's a well, sad place why, for a kid to be in. And, and beyond beyond like they don't like them or like relationships don't work out, obviously, but job opportunities mm-hmm. are passed up or don't work out or even investment opportunities or all these experiences, even, even like what we are just talking about, like traveling the world and having epic experiences. You can't do that effectively and you can't have a healthy, happy, successful life if you don't know how to get along with people. Right. And now, that
0: starts in the home and with interactions between siblings and parent and child. Yep. It's the parent's responsibility to provide guidance for the child of saying, No, that's inappropriate behavior ultimately because, you know, it's not gonna help you with all of these things we're talking about, but because there are boundaries in social interactions. There just are.
1: Yep.
0: Like and you know, we used to be on the side of other people's opinions of me are none of my business. Which is true. Need, which is true. And they just need to deal with it, which is true. But also you have to understand that there are, when you're interacting, in a, the things that make society function essentially are social interactions. Without the ability to interact as human beings, our society could not function. We wouldn't have all of the things we have. We wouldn't have roads and schools and businesses and all the you know everything that makes society function if we didn't have proper, predictable, appropriate social interactions. Mm. That's what creates order instead of chaos. That's what brings peace instead of war. And so we ha- There is this level where we have to play into that, despite our ongoing messages of unconventionality and well, all that which, which applies. But you still, we are unconventional people, and yet we still realize the importance of being able to interact socially in an appropriate manner right. because it's so key.
1: Now, what, what we're not saying here, and I want to make this clear, is that you need to acquiesce and or, cower to social, what we call social conditioning. Or norms, of, or expectations of these nor- social norms or social expectations, or walk around. I, I think this is Conforming where and I think this is where most people get this wrong. Is they're so worried about the opinions of other people. They're so worried about how they're being perceived in society. And and so they're reactive like that to their kids. So it's, it's almost like they're trying to do what we're talking about, but missing the mark. And it, it might be coming from a the wrong motive. Like, what's the driving force here? It's like you're worried about what your neighbors think or what some random stranger thinks. Or, again, are you worried about it? Are you fretting about it? Do you feel anxious about it? Are you, you're going around and just really just trying to rein your kids in because you want them to... I, I don't know, what like what you're, or well of you, or, well s- or well random behaved. strangers, you're out, I mean, just be, it's so funny, we give so much credence, and so much weight to, to some random stranger, like, we don't well, want to after our kids, it, but oh, oh, let me finish this off, I'm like, this is not that message, we're not saying just coward or whatever, because society will change, and and social conditioning will change, and you may live in an area where, like, it's just, weird social funk where we've been in places where they're like, they don't like children at all. And they expect children to behave like adults or they have some strange social rule about what's acceptable here. And, and to those kind of things, I'm like, kiss off like whatever I'm uh, I'm and I, again, we've traveled to many, many countries around the world. Very Thank respectful to, culture and tradition and places and people and want to be appropriate but if if there's some funky weird or even you meet certain people that they have their their own bizarre ideas just really weird ideas about what people or children especially can or can't do like kiss off like i whatever I don't, I don't give a crap and and i will always defend my children and allow them to act their age. I will always allow my kids to act their age. Now, that's not an excuse. It's not a rationalization or justification to allow your kids to do whatever or to be annoying. Yes. We acting can't allow their, our kids to be acting annoying. Acting
0: their age does not have to be equivalent to be annoying. Now, of course, that can depend because then that circles back to the other side. If you're just annoyed by six year old behavior, right. right? That's another storm. Then that's
1: okay. Th- so, yeah, circling back to sometimes it is the parent you're just easily annoyed, and you that's you. You got to own that, and you've got to overcome that. If, if you're easily bothered by small things, uh, I don't know, I've been saying this for years only small people are bothered by small things. So, stop being so small. You've got to overcome that crap, and that's just. I don't know, to me it's just immature and underdeveloped if you're just easily bothered by small things. Like that's retarded. If a six-year-old behaves like a six-year-old and that bothers you, like you have some growing to do. That's on you. And it's on the people you might interact with. If they just don't like children or whatever, it's like, dude, that's on you. Like grow up. And I mean that's, (laughs) I'm going to get fired (laughs) up, man. Like grow up. That's just so underdeveloped and immature. It's, It's really pathetic. It honestly is pathetic. Because, okay, there, here's why it's pathetic. Because you have a, an adult behaving like a little child, an underdeveloped child. That's pathetic. That's annoying. <laughs> and then, so then, and again, I, I want to really emphasize here, that's, that's an eight-year-old behaving like an eight-year-old. It's not an eight-year-old well, throwing a tantrum and acting like a little... Four-year-old. Four-year-old or okay, whatever.
0: So, yes, yeah, so now I want to go back to this idea because six-year-old behavior actually has a scale. And as we've traveled around the world and interacted with different people, we've seen both extremes of this scale. One of them is the controlling parent who wants their child to behave. And so the child is kind of stifled and squelched and, and they're required to behave older than their age and you know sit still and not move and not do anything childish or playful or fun. And then we've seen the other extreme of that coming back to this idea where people are reacting they're reacting to oh what are what are people thinking of me what are my in-laws thinking of me what are my you know neighbors thinking of me people at church and so they're confining and then we've seen the people that want to be unconventional they want to throw that off and then they go to the other extreme where we've literally met parents who in the name of throwing off social norms have thrown off thrown off all expectations, requirements, boundaries for their child, and we've seen the child floundering, throwing out, flailing, searching for something to grab onto, to hold onto, to say, where is the ground here? Where is the boundaries? Where are the, you know, how am I supposed to behave? They don't know. And, you know, specifically, there is this family in Costa Rica when we lived there years ago, and... This poor child was just so lost as far as how to behave because yeah. his mother had no expectations, no boundaries, no discipline, and he had the worst behavior I've ever seen. You couldn't even, you know, we invited him over to play with our boys who at the time were 6, 5, and 6, and they couldn't even play with yeah. him because he had such horrible behavior that he couldn't... Have normal interactions he couldn't play with other kids because his behavior was so wretched yeah. he didn't know how to yeah.
1: act which is so profound and insightful and sad
0: it was very sad because i remember feeling so sad for this kid
1: children like play is their thing
0: mm-hmm.
1: like play is a child's entire world and reality And this kid, because he had zero structure, structure, foundation, framework, boundaries, anything, he couldn't even do a normal, healthy, happy thing that children do. He couldn't be a child because he had no framework and no structure. And and the crazier, uh, I really want this to sink in, so listen really carefully right here. Crazy behavior is an attempt to find something solid to hold on to. Yes. This is especially true with very strong-willed children. Mm-hmm. And some children will come in like, okay, they'll, they'll kind of they'll figure it out. Some some of you have a child or two. Seems like many families have at least one child that's just very very strong-willed. Just man, they've got personality, power, drive. Like they're really after it. Those children, especially, like they need something to hold on to that they can count on. Mm-hmm. And children want structure. They, they need structure. They need structure. They desperate. It's a human need. Yeah. They want to know wh- where are the boundaries. Wh- and it's it's almost like this. It's a position of safety and security and trust. Mm-hmm. It's a foundation to be like. Okay, I know what will hold up here. Yes. I know that there's something I can count on. Mm-hmm. But in this case with this lady, it's like, oh, whatever, anything. Yeah, he would start throwing a
0: fit. He would start throwing a tantrum. I mean, this kid was five or six or seven. And he was throwing tantrums like he was two or three. And her response was, it's okay, honey. Yeah, you're upset, you know. There was no boundary of like, no, this is not acceptable here. And that should have obviously started at a younger age right. because then that would have been in place.
1: It actually starts at two and three.
0: Yeah. But so it's not the kid's fault because he's, again, pushing the boundaries. Try- that's what a two year old does. They're pushing the boundaries, trying to find where are the boundaries. And if those boundaries aren't clear and firm, and that doesn't mean authoritarian, totalitarian, it like.
1: Does, yeah, it doesn't mean you're. Blowing and, up and yeah. yelling and screaming and going That's not up. How you like being manipulative boundaries. or abusive in any way, shape, or form. It's none of that. But there has to be a boundary. But
0: if they if you keep if they keep pushing and keep pushing and keep pushing and they never find the edge, they never find the boundary, like they feel like
1: They're, they're completely lost. Floating yeah,
0: in the sea, exactly. drowning.
1: It's like yeah, either drowning or like you have zero gravity and there's nothing that you can Lean against to. and yeah. hold on to because as soon as you grab it, it moves.
0: So that's exactly. You reach for
1: it and it moves away. Exactly. or falls over.
0: That's exactly what is happening with this kid, and that's kind of, in a way, what a tantrum is. It's this child just floundering and throwing themselves about. Like, where is security here? Yeah. Where can I find something yeah. firm to hold on to? And the more that goes on, I mean, that just creates psychological issues yep. for the rest of their life Not if so they fun. never find those yep. hard lines.
1: And then, then like Rachel was alluding to earlier, like n- then you get into society and things don't work and, and you don't know why. And you, you move from job to job to job, from school to school, to place to place, like relationship to relationship, and always like one and, and you always think, oh well it's the place, it's the situation. Right. Oh, it's the people at that place. Oh no, it's the people at that place. You're like, no, it's you. Yeah. But you don't know that. And you've never been taught that. So I, want, I really want to emphasize this. You, parent, have to be that solid, firm thing that the child can rely on. And, and that's important that we visualize that and, and wrap our heads around that. We're solid. It's like, it's like a lighthouse. Mm-hmm. The, the wind and the waves of life and of behavior... Can just s- smash against it and, and, and it stays solid, it's there. And so they realize, oh, I can I can count on this. Mm-hmm. I can rely on this. But if if you're trying to count on a lighthouse, but the lighthouse keeps moving, yeah, we, we can't count on that, right? Or if a big wave comes in, life just tumbles. Shoot, you can't count on that. Or if you come in and there's some wind and waves and life's crazy. And the lighthouse, lighthouse starts throwing rocks back at you or <laughs> shooting at your ship because you're like, help, I need help. And you're like, you're like, what's going on here? And so I, I, mean, I want you to visualize and see all this imagery because some of your that's that's how some parents are doing their parenting. Mm-hmm. And maybe they don't know. Maybe they were raised that way or maybe they're just trying to figure it out themselves.
0: Well, that's likely the case.
1: But the responsibility is you have to figure it out. you, you got to figure this out and, and figure out how to do it well. And train your children so that they can count on you and I, I mean I guess the first piece of that is the only way you can teach your children what's how to not be annoying is if you yourself know how not to be annoying mm-hmm. and that takes it's not it's not as black and white as we might think because, as we mentioned before, there most certainly are times you need to be. A nonconformist, right? And to be unconventional, and to buck the system, and to go against social conditioning. And when others are like, "Well, you shouldn't do this, your kids," will, and you stand your ground, and say, "Oh no. Oh no, sir. <laughs> <laughs> no, right. madam."
0: Yeah, it's you have to find that that balance between standing up for yourself and having confidence, and also being respectful to other people and respecting their viewpoints and their. Um, ways of approaching the world their worldviews, you know so it's it's not a straightforward thing It it does require a lot of skill and so that is part of it for sure is developing that in yourself and then of course there are strategies and techniques for applying this to your in daily interactions with your child you know and one of those simple things i think one of the most basic strategies is having clear Expectations about what is acceptable in your house. Now, in some ways, it doesn't matter what that is. Like, of course, there's some exceptions, you know. But as long as you have a clarity about what you want your family to be like and your, your um, family culture, your home life to be like, and you have clear rules and expectations, and then you hold by them, that's the start of it. Right. That's where it begins.
1: And, and I agree with you.
0: I know you have more to say about that. Too.
1: Unless your expectations are weird or bizarre mm-hmm. or ir- irrational. Uh, irrational. There's
0: something fascinating about kids where they, they, without being able to articulate it, of course, because they don't have that ability, they're able to pick up on things that just don't make sense. Right. <laughs> the, if you're like, this is how we do things in our house, and they're like, what?
1: That's not... Relevant that does not make any sense, all. and they you
0: know, don't know how to tell you that. They just right, they, will They start just, acting out. Right, and them.
1: they'll rebel. They right. don't, it's like something in our wiring is just like, no, that's that's stupid. Yeah. And it's off. And we've met we've met parents with the best intentions and just huge hearts, good good people. They come up with these. Really strange, arbitrary rules, like, and okay, I can see they're trying to—they're trying to establish high standards. They're trying to be <laughs> high standard people, but you're like, whoa, what? Like that's <laughs> the dumbest rule. And i, I want to get a specific. They'll go down a... like they'll die defending this thing, right. and you're actually fighting. You, you create these huge battles with your own children over
0: something that not yeah. need to be a So
1: there's there's a, a war zone in your house because you're going to maintain the standard and, and and in a way you're actually trying to do what we're talking about here mm-hmm. trying to help your children but you've picked a rule that's just dumb
0: so i think a great example for this which comes to my mind anyways which was something my dad used for you know when i was a teenager was this idea and i know in some ways it might come from the culture we grew up in our, our religious culture this idea that midnight, you must be home at midnight because after midnight, the devil, like nothing good happens after midnight. Like there's there's horrible things that happen after midnight. And so parents will have this hard, fast rule that your curfew is midnight. You must be home at midnight. If you're home at 1201, you've broken the rule. You're grounded, like all of these hard line things. And I just laugh at that now. For one thing, we've never had a curfew with our kids. Never, and but we've always taught them the principle of you know self-governing and appropriate behavior. And if and you
1: model well and teach well, you don't need the hard arbitrary line because of twelve o'clock. If you're well, it's, it's and you don't even need a curfew. It's not needed because the kids are self-directed. Right. they make good decisions. Exactly. And if there, it's going to be later. You know they're making good choices, and right. it's only every once in a while. So you're like, great,
0: exactly, not a problem.
1: But okay, want to. Okay, I want. You're right. I we got to <laughs> dive into this one because if you step back and say, okay, let's 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 really think through this. At eleven fifty nine, you're okay. At twelve oh one, all hell and <laughs> Satan and and his minions and his minions are unleashed. For some reason but it but it's according to each time zone yes because it, depends it, on the time it zone, moves of west of course because <laughs> he works he follows the the night around the globe right. <laughs> and only working at that time in the dark <laughs> so like poor people who live in barcelona and they take their families out to eat at 11 30 because yeah. they have a very i mean the restaurant's still open till 10 or 10 30. Yeah. so if you take your family out to dinner and you're enjoying a meal at 11 59 <laughs> at 1201 you guys better just <laughs> better hurry pray and fast and plead. You better call the spiritual police to escort you to your house because all hell is about to break. Oh, those poor Spanish people. You see what I'm saying? I'm mocking this because it's stupid. Well,
0: and only because we have seen it. We've literally seen
1: parents Well, okay, who, there's, there's thousands of examples know, of that.
0: Who... who believe this and they make it such a huge deal to their children that it disrupts their life and so the children and the children are sitting there the teenagers are thinking this really doesn't make sense like i don't get that why is it really that much of a difference at 1201 compared to 1159 and so in their mind they're thinking this doesn't add up but they don't know how to articulate this with you or to have a conversation and dis, you know, debate it with you. Or if they do, they get in trouble. And so their response is either, one, they cower and they conform and they do what you say, which is not a good thing. You it think that that's a good thing. It's not.
1: Stacking you're killing.
0: You're killing their own decision-making capabilities. But, or on the other side, they rebel, which is actually what I ended up doing as a teenager. I rebelled. I rebelled against that because in my mind, I knew it didn't make sense And my only response, because I didn't have the ability to put it in words, was to rebel through my behavior by saying, This doesn't make sense, and so I'm going to act in a way that's opposite what you want, you know, how you want me to act. So it's those types of things. When we're talking about, you know, you need to have standards and boundaries and rules, we're talking about principles and guidelines, not these hard and fast 12 o'clock, you're home. And we're using this as an example. Mm -hmm. I mean, there's plenty of other ways that this happens and plays out in a parent-child relationship, but what we're saying is it needs to be reasonable. It needs to be something that makes sense to a reasoning human being, which includes your children. Your children, like going back to what I said before, they intuitively know when things don't make sense. Like that just doesn't line up with, for me.
1: Yeah. And, and yeah, I mean, I guess worth emphasizing there. It's... It's the principle and the practice. It's it's the, the, the important life lessons and good habits. That's what we want. And it's, you know, in this particular instance, it's not affected by the clock. Some of the most important humanitarian work I have done and will ever do will be after midnight. <laughs> so it's just arbitrary. To try to attack, and I know it's with good effort and good intentions, but to try to, to, try to say that behavior is tied to the clock is, is kind of silly. Now, obviously, we realize, I mean, sleep is one of the things we'll talk about today. We need to get to bed most of the time at a decent hour and mm-hmm. get good sleep. In fact, well, it's worth talking about that right now. Food and sleep are like, it's double trouble right there. They are the destroyers of good, happy, healthy humans. If if food is off, either by the poor quality of food, or just not getting enough nutritional value, um, if which if we were going to do a podcast
0: about yeah. food, which
1: we I think we still will because that because one just gets so me fired Because it's so
0: confusing. Up. Like everyone is so confused nowadays. I feel yeah. like they have no clue about what's actually healthy for you.
1: Right.
0: It's not salad. We'll come.
1: <laughs> we'll come back. But th- the biggest the biggest red flags, the biggest problems are like chemicals, preservatives, additives. Almond
0: milk, soy milk.
1: Yeah, those <laughs> things. Like anything that's just not natural. Whole foods. And whole and, and from a really, really, really good source is most likely wrecking things. We've done podcasts about this before, we are talking about it before. So much behavior is food driven and sleep-driven. Mm-hmm. And so if you or your children are not getting good sleep, good quality sleep and good quality food in good portions, then that's 100% affecting behavior. Yeah. 100% well, huge.
0: Okay. So I think this is a good um, strategy or technique because one of the first things I look at anytime my children are quote-unquote misbehaving one of the very first things I look at is, when did they go to bed last night and what have they eaten today? That's where I start. Before I do anything else, even my interaction with them per se, like in my head, I'm thinking, when did they go to bed last night? Oh, they went, whoa, we were up late last night. They're up till midnight, no wonder. No wonder they're behaving like this. So that's the first place. And then I'm thinking about their food. Are they hungry? Because that definitely makes a difference if they're hungry or not. You know, hangry is a real thing. I look, that's where I go first. And this is true for the parent.
1: Oh, stop Because you're like, I'm so annoyed with my kids. I'm like, wait a minute, what time do you go to bed? You're like, well, I went to bed late and I got woken up a couple times. Oh, have you had breakfast? No, I haven't eaten. you're like, whoa, you shouldn't open your mouth. Yeah. (laughs) You just go feed yourself and take a nap before you respond and injure your relationship.
0: No, so that's so true. So before I do any sort of disciplining or boundaries or anything like that, I look at that and I say, okay. We both need some food, we both didn't sleep well. That's the first reason this is happening. That's always the case. That is the first reason that any of this is happening. After that, then I look at how is our connection, Mm -hmm. right? Have I cuddled with them recently? Have I held them? Have we talked? Have we interacted in a meaningful way? If we haven't done that, that's where I go next. I don't even discipline my kids at all until I have cuddled with
1: him. And w- and we hug by the way, I'll just throw this out there. We hug our children um, very first thing in the morning and last thing in, before bed. And we hug multiple times during the day. We, we have touch. Now some of you are like well, we're just not a huggy family. We're, we don't express love much. And to that I would kindly but firmly say change it. You be the change in that tradition. Because it's got to stop. Human beings need affection. They need expressions of love. And they need touch. So if if your family culture or family dynamics have been that way change it and you know you might, well uh, not every family needs it I'm bogus they need it and and we're trying to we want healthy happy human beings that are just thriving like you, you, you know, we can we can we can talk about that one in person sometime but there's mm-hmm. no, like there's no way i've just seen so many families across so many countries and continents like Sorry, I'm, I'm, I'm holding my ground on that one. Be more loving. And that's what you're saying. You're like, well, let's cuddle, connect, yeah. touch, so talk. Like, there has to be this healthy bond. And that may be part of your problem. And again, a child's not going to be able to articulate that. No. If they no. just feel distanced or cold or unloved or like just the just dynamics. Connected. And like a, a, a child, man, there's even studies. They watched, it was, oh, this was so sad, these orphanages. Wasn't it in Russia like in the 60s, I think? They just wanted to see if babies survived, how they responded to, to love and touch and being held, and some that were held and others were not. They just wanted to see. And the babies that weren't held and cuddled and touched and loved just died. And they, they wouldn't eat I and mean, we wouldn't function. I mean, this children need this. So the, a child comes in the world with a clean slate. They don't know what to expect. They don't know where the boundaries are. They don't know what the framework is, but they have hardwired biological spiritual social needs and if the needs aren't being met then then they're growing up and something's off Mm -hmm. and this is one of the things that's off so parent you need to be more affectionate and more loving you that's the part of that that firmness that's something they can count on and it's not being held out as a reward i'll hug you if Or I'm going to withhold hugs and kisses and praise and love if you're a little turd. It it can't be manipulative like that. And it can't be, you know, if if you're inconsistent, sometimes you hug them and love them and sometimes you don't. And they're like, what the hell? (laughs) They don't know. Then they start blaming themselves.
0: Oh, absolutely they do. So here is one of the, I think, one of the major shifts that played a huge, had a huge positive impact on my parenting. And that was that understanding that, I cannot withhold my love and affection because my child is mis- misbehaving. And I know that for me, initially, that was my tendency. When my kid was being annoying, I was like annoyed, so I didn't want to hug them or kiss them or touch them. I'm like, ugh, get away. You're annoying.
1: And, and people use it as a, we used to use it and parents use it as a consequence.
0: Yeah, right. I learned to switch that and it's made all the difference i've learned to realize that when that kid is acting in that annoying way what they really need is more of my love and attention and when i give it to them it is amazing how it like diffuses the situation it calms them down it brings them peace and it brings back the good behavior so one of my very first responses to misbehavior now is like let's cuddle let's go cuddle on the couch and we sit down and we cuddle together until they change their state and they feel better. And now the behavior goes away or they're prepared to talk about it. Because maybe, you know, the sister took a toy or this or that or something happened. You can talk about it better once they've calmed down after some cuddling with you. Right. So that's my first approach now is let's cuddle. And it's fascinating. I actually saw, I actually saw my 8-year-old do this with my 6-year-old one time. They were kind of disagreeing about something, and her response was like, let's go cuddle on the couch, Sanji. And they got together, and they cuddled, and then they felt better. And it's amazing how that actually works. And it works with teenagers. It works with my 12-year-old. Like
1: well, it when works you with give adults.
0: It <laughs> works with you. Yeah. <laughs> when you give more love and affection, it helps the situation because part of the cause for their misbehavior is a lack of feeling love and connection.
1: Or for some low state for some reason, whatever the reason. Yeah. And so if you get into a better state as the parent and the child is in a better state, I guess this is a good reminder here. Always make decisions and always respond from a better state. Right. If you're not in a good mental, emotional state, be careful what you say or do. Exactly. You might just need to pause and be like, hey, give me a minute. Let me think about this before I react. Otherwise you're just reactive and explosive Mm -hmm. and you say and do things in the moment that you don't want to do. And so do they. So don't just don't allow that from you or them. Just be like, Hey, let's, let's get into a better state. Before we we say things, right. because well, here's a, another simple example: is in the heat of the moment, if you're reactive, and you might this might be because you're hungry, you're tired, right? And so then you oh that's it, and you taking get taking away
0: this your grand for a month, and then you yeah. have to try and enforce that. You you have you've created a month of fighting <laughs> because of your moment of yeah hunger-driven anger.
1: Yep, exactly, and now. That, then if you back out on that, they're like, well, they don't even keep their word. Exactly. And if you stick to it, you're an
0: idiot because... <laughs> that was a dumb consequence that was anyway.
1: stupid. <laughs> and you often come up with completely disconnected consequences too. Right, that's, which that's goes another. back
0: to the thing of like, if it doesn't make sense to the child, they're just going to be like, yeah, so, so stupid. Dumb. doesn't right. make any sense. Yeah, so that's another thing. We already mentioned it, but I kind of want to emphasize it, that I'm always looking at that. If I am feeling annoyed or irritated or frustrated and I'm like okay, how did I sleep? What have I eaten? That's where I look first for me and instead of just continuing to move through the day feeling annoyed and grumpy I want to fix that so I'm better, in a better state for making better decisions and having better interactions with the kids. All of this preventative work is the basis of having a good family life. Like the, it's, it would solve so many problems for so many people if we understood that
1: and it, it keeps you and your children from being annoying.
0: Exactly. At it, least it begins the process.
1: Yeah. Well, and it's well And it's so, the preventative work is so much easier, right? You guys have heard that saying, to prepare and prevent is so much easier than to repair and repent. And if we're getting good sleep, if we're eating healthy food, if we're hugging and cuddling and expressing love and... Having conversations and doing good things together, if we're as a family living a good life story, we all have goals we're working on, we all have challenging things we're choosing to do, we're all, you know, have something we're excited about. Mm -hmm. All of those elements in place, it makes it so easy to not have annoying children.
0: Right. Well, and I want to add to all this, I think another thing is if the child is feeling like they're getting enough attention yep. because along with feeling love and connected, that's another one of those things. And it's especially easy sometimes for the youngest child. I know sometimes our youngest is like yelling because she can't be heard in this large family of nine unless she's the loudest one in the room.
1: Um, well, which is, it's true and that's important to re- remember. Yeah. Where does your kid fit in the family? and where we have a very loud family, they're a all large, loud family. bigger than her. She's the smallest person uh-huh. in a very loud family. There's usually music going and yes. loud talking. So for this adorable teeny little person to, to feel heard, she has one volume, <laughs> yes. but she's learned that from us. Exactly. Like it's training. She's like, right. <laughs> she's born into this world. Again, please, please, please remember how your child comes into the world. They don't know. And even you might think, well, I told them or they should know by now. It's like, no, they're little kids. Even six and eight and 12, even 16. They still don't know. I mean, their brains are still developing. I mean, so it's, it's this empty slate of trying to figure out what is life all about. And so she just comes in. She doesn't know any different. She's like, okay, I got to have some volume here <laughs> if I'm going to be a part of this crowd. Because exactly. this is how things work. That's her reality. Right. And it's adorable so we can't we can't bust her chops for being loud that's that's her life experience
0: Mm -hmm. right so there's that or sometimes it's the middle child someone you know a kid that's kind of in the middle and the older kids get the attention and the younger kids get the attention (laughs) because she's yelling and so they feel like they have a lack of attention and so all of the all of these things breed misbehavior and so if your kid's not getting enough attention very often along with the cuddling is just one-on-one attention with them playing with them doing games with them taking them on dates like I think parents could solve a lot of misbehavior problems if they they committed to say your kid's been misbehaving right and you don't know what to do about this it's Chronic. It's consistent. It's now habitual because you know they've come into the world and this is what they know. This is the only way they know how to act because they've been trained to act that way.
1: And it's a plea for attention.
0: It's a. That's their vehicle. Yeah. Yeah. And so, I would just like dedicate, an however long, uh, you know, indefinite period of time to just giving them that attention that they need and crave, and that would help to fix their behavior because now instead of them flailing about acting up trying what they're doing is trying to get attention they now feel like oh i don't have to get attention in that way because i'm getting attention in the positive ways because what's happening from a psychological point viewpoint of this child they obviously don't know how to explain this but what they are doing is saying i'm being ignored nobody's paying attention to me unless i scream yell bite kick fight but you know then suddenly everyone notices i get
1: me. so much i attention. get so
0: much attention when i do that right. i guess i have to keep doing that because i need attention yeah. and so if we can totally switch that this preventative measure we start giving them the attention beforehand sincere present attention and you I mean, it's not something you can just do once and fix the problem. This is like now has to become a part of your life. It's a part of your daily habits and interactions. It starts with giving them a hug in the morning and then listening to them every single time they talk. Oh, my gosh, that's something else I want to talk about. But, you know, you start giving them this attention and, wow, over time everything switches because now they have what they need and they don't have to get it by being annoying Mm -hmm. or misbehaving.
1: Every human being is hardwired for that. We we just come that way. We need attention. We need to feel noticed, mm-hmm. seen, heard, loved. If you have children, you have to give each of them adequate attention. And if they feel again, they're
0: not receiving it,
1: well, if they feel like they're not receiving it, they're going uh, to the, choose a vehicle to get it. Now, the vehicle doesn't always make sense. So misbehaving, being annoying, acting up, rebelling, doing crazy stuff, that's the vehicle they've chosen. They don't know any better. They're just subconsciously choosing a vehicle to get attention, but that, that vehicle's unnecessary if they just get it by default. Mm-hmm. And As a parent, that is your responsibility to give them the attention. Now, if you're sitting there, I can, I can just hear some of you be like, but I'm so busy. I'm so overwhelmed. I, I just can't do it. I don't know how to get. And this is where I very lovingly, but firmly say, get your stuff together so you can do this. Fix your own stinking problems and get your life in order.
0: Right. Because this is your job. There is no other more important job than to be a good parent. And I see too many parents trying to do too many other yeah. things with church and PTA and this and the neighbors and the cookies yeah. and the man. I'm like, what the hell are you doing? Yeah. Your first job is to be a mom. And if you can't do that well, you shouldn't be doing anything else.
1: Exactly. If you're struggling in the least with any of your children, you have a moral obligation to say no to everything else outside the home and get your crap put together.
0: And I think that has been one of the quote-unquote secrets to our success with our families because we're really good at doing that. We say no to a lot of stuff. There are a lot of things we just do not do because our focus is on making our family the best it can be because we truly believe that if you want to make the world a better place, that's where it starts if we can't have a fully functioning happy operational family like how can we expect to do anything else well that's where it begins and so then back to this thing i mentioned just a second ago that i this drives me crazy when i and i see it all the time and i i used to do it too so i get it when i was a new mom I, i i did this all the time but i will see parents ignoring their children literally ignoring their children From the time they're babies until all the way up to teenagers their child will talk to them and they completely ignore them as though they don't exist now i don't i know that that's not what they're trying to do in their mind but say the child will be crying or the baby's crying or the you know they're upset and they will let them cry and cry and cry and do nothing about it or they feel like they try to do something or they don't know what to do it's actually been
1: suggested by some quote parenting experts just let your children cry no yeah oh
0: my gosh what actually works and what actually creates healthy psychological healthy psychological foundation is when the child is crying or talking to you they're trying to communicate their needs to you they don't know where else to fulfill those needs you're their parent you brought them into this world you're the source of their food their comfort their everything they're coming to you communicating what they need it might be through crying it might be through talking about something if you don't listen and pay attention and then take action to fulfill that need then they feel back to this idea of floundering they feel unstable they feel like wow i'm in this world and i turn to the people i trust for help and they don't listen and they don't fulfill my needs I'm unsafe. I feel completely unsafe because I don't know where to have my needs fulfilled. And so, you know, we've always been very, not always, we've learned to be very intentional about when our child is talking to us, and of course, we're not perfect at this because there's chaos and the world, you know, and sometimes they're talking to you while five other people are talking to you and, you know, but, you know, especially with our babies, when they're crying or they're, something's off, we give them our full attention. And we help their me- needs be met in that moment because that's the foundation of their future security yep. and success, and so especially they, when they're small.
1: Yep, they they come into the world, again, clean slate, They come into the world, and they get a framework of like, okay, there's somebody here that notices me, that exactly. loves me, that pays attention. I am seen, heard, felt, understood. I'm okay.
0: Yeah. And that starts with the very beginning of, when your baby's hungry, you feed them. Instead of, oh, well, you know, I'm busy and I'm talking to my friends. Just take and the I baby, hun, let them cry, they'll be fine. Don't feed no.
1: them except on certain yeah, times. Yeah, or a certain
0: time schedule. Like that's the stupidest Stupid. thing I've ever heard of. It, it doesn't work because when the ch- the child doesn't understand it. And yeah, you can train them to do that, but that doesn't mean they're gonna be psychologically healthy because of it. Because when they say, I am hungry, I'm being eaten alive by this hunger, (laughs) I need food, I'm crying for food, and you ignore that, they just feel like, wow, this world is crazy. It's unstable. And so you meet those needs. Jordan Peterson says all the time, you cannot spoil a child under the age of six months. And I would say even after a year. You cannot spoil a child. So when you give them what they need, whenever they need it, you're not spoiling them.
1: You're setting you're them, setting up,
0: them for up for success in life.
1: For safety and security.
0: Right. Oh, man. And preventing future He's misbehavior future. because you have this solid foundation of, I live in a safe world and a safe family. I can trust these people. And so it produces better behavior.
1: Here's a, a little tactic that goes with that. Is I always try to get down to the kid's eye level. Mm-hmm. this has been huge for me as whoever's talking to I, I go down so they g- it just clicked for me one day I'm like they're looking up at us like we're just giants and I was like what if because I'm six feet tall I'm like what if I were looking up at it? I was a some giant I was at his waistline and I'm just staring up like hey can I ask you something way up there and like that just it just feels weird and so just getting down right in face level and just uh, even like holding a hand while they're talking or some touch or something or even now with my big kids right just a hand on the shoulder or some just something so like I'm present mhm it, it just it just helps to, to get in this healthy state which then eliminates so much of the annoying behavior
0: yeah i think that's another part of this paying attention to your kids when they're talking is that when you touch someone when they're talking it lets you both know that you're there, you're present with them it's yep. it you know it's really helpful with just bringing you both into the moment yep.
1: so when when your child does misbehave when they do something that is annoying the the most effective way the the most important thing obviously is to model an example, like show them from the get go they're they're noticing they're paying attention, you have to articulate it, but show them how to behave, how to be. Respectable and respectful show them the, the way to do this and then when they are offline just teach them I, I think sometimes we react too quickly and we discipline when teaching was sufficient
0: or cuddling or attention
1: right yeah and so we're using the wrong we're tool using the wrong the, tool
0: yeah it's like we're like using a hammer when we're trying to
1: the, screw something. The time for, like, discipline, I- if, if you're doing all the preventative things, if you have healthy relationships, if your habits are in line for each individual and for a family, disciplining is...
0: It's down the road. It's, it's down the line. It's way
1: down and so rare. Yeah, I would like, say... Like, like, we don't we don't... We almost never discipline. It's just like there'll be phases in each a child's life, mm-hmm. right? And I, there's little there's little time periods where there's a little more disciplining because they go they're going through a phase of like, whoa, they're well, trying to figure things right. out. And so, so you're maybe when they're two, bit. there's
0: some more disciplining there,
1: and when twelve, and, and then like twelve a little more. But th- there's only like these these little phases, and you have to have more love and more deposits into the race the bank account, and and more time and attention to to make up for some of the disciplining, but. Apart from that, like we just teach.
0: If you have the preventative measures in place, then yeah, you use teaching and the disciplining. It is.
1: It's it's, it's maybe
0: five yeah. percent of what's going on.
1: Yeah, it, yeah, exactly. If and then there's gonna and be time periods where it's like one percent. Like you don't even absolutely. need to bring it out. Right. But so your number one tool is teaching. Put like then visualize this. Take that. You got a tool belt on as a parent. Teaching is your go-to tool. Just have that in your tool belt. And you you don't have to get out the discipline right. tools. And then when ever. You,
0: then when you do, it's so subtle, it's so easy that it's it's incredible. Like here's a, a little example I remember that's kind of funny, but um we were getting ready to move out of our house in Georgia and we're moving to Portugal, that's the plan. We're traveling now in between. And I think you were gone. Our other son was gone with you. You guys were in Guatemala with our 12-year-old. So at home was just me, our oldest son, our other our oldest daughter's on. You know she's moved out, and our 15-year-old and our younger kids. And so we were doing most of the packing and moving and cleaning and all that kind of stuff. And we had some errands that needed to get done. All these other things, you know. And I had asked my son to do something and he would kind of said something like well i was gonna do this i wanted him to go do an errand or something and i really needed him to do it right like i was it was one of those things that I'm like i need you to do this right and all i said was i've been doing a lot for you lately you know and he's like okay yeah i'm sorry mom yep you're right you are totally right i'm gonna go do it right now like that's i just had to say a little word of like you know remember i have done a lot for you and he's like, "Yes, you are so right. I'll go do it right now." And it's and, like, and this
1: wasn't a guilt trip. No, it it's wasn't. It's not manipulative. I just said you're it in... like, you're like, "Hey, I do a lot for you." And, and like, it's not guilt, or it's just a reminder. And it's, it was just that subtle, quick yeah, reminder. Yeah, it was the like, very oh, yeah, thing right.
0: of like, you know, you can call it discipline. Of like, hey, yeah, remember here.
1: <laughs> but that's teaching. It's just reminding yeah. them. Yeah. And, and again, that's. We all need the reminders, but especially children and youth and teens, even young adults, constant reminders. And so a lot of your teaching is just a reminder like, hey, remember, and, and where Rachel is a master at this is reminding our kids beforehand how what good behavior looks like. So before getting on an airplane or a train, before going into a restaurant, before going to visit friends, before going into a museum, You remind the children what good behavior is. So again, it's teaching. Teaching is your most important and most effective tool. And when you remind them, they're like, oh yeah, cool.
0: Right. Well, I even make it kind of a funny little game with the younger kids. We'll be going to someone's house for dinner or we'll be going whatever, like on a plane. And so I'll say, okay, we're gonna go do this. Are you gonna scream and yell and stand on the table? No. Are you gonna sit quietly and say please and thank you? Yes. Are you gonna and I go back and forth between like what bad behavior looks like yeah. and what good behavior looks like and they'll, and they think it's funny because they're like no I'm not gonna do that of course not of course I wouldn't do that you know and then yes that's what I'm gonna yes. do so they're reminded oh yeah that's what it looks like yep.
1: and give them specific so they can see it otherwise it's arbitrary and we think children just I remember when when we studied this in brain development they cannot get abstract ideas mm-hmm. we're like hey you're gonna be, be good, good behavior good. And right like, and no well, bad behavior and like yep and they're like I don't know Right.
0: You have to give concrete examples of what that looks like. What does good behavior look like and what does bad behavior look like? And so then it's then it also when I do that beforehand, then it's so easy when we're there and say they do something that's, you know, pushing the boundary or whatever and again, they're not it's not on purpose, but then it's an easy reminder of like, hey, remember good manners. That's not good manners. And then you can then give them the example. This would be good manners if you do this. And so you're showing them very clearly, this is what it looks like. This is what it does not look like. Um, There's another thing I want to address as well. So sometimes there are still situations that arise where you have to be firm. You've got to put that boundary in line, right? So you can do all this preventative stuff and you can... You know have the connection and the attention all that but then there will still arise situations where you have to have this firm boundary and where i can see parents making mistakes with this i know i've done it too is because we have a good relationship with them we tend to well or sometimes even when we don't we tend to want to be nice we want to be the nice parent we don't want to be mean and i think sometimes we have that definition like if i'm a good parent some people think that means I'm not going to be mean to my kids, right? And that can get tough because being firm sometimes requires you to quote unquote, be mean. You're not, you don't have to necessarily be mean, but you have to be firm in a way to the child can come across as mean. And they will even say that sometimes like, why are you being mean? Because you won't let me do this thing. And you're like, I'm not being mean. This is the boundary. This is the expectation. One of the th- places for us where this comes up is like device usage device usage can be so tough for families to navigate. And you have to have those very clear rules and expectations, but kids are gonna push it. They're gonna want to play the games longer. They're gonna wanna you know, be on there more. And if you don't have clear rules and expectations and systems in place to structure all of that, you know, like for systems for us means we have the screen time passwords on there. So I, you know, give the password and it gives them 15 minutes or it gives them an hour and then it shuts off.
1: And time limits and priorities. Right. Uh, again, because, they, because a child doesn't know, they're just figuring out what works. They're going to be operating in self-sabotage a lot. And so are- Especially ad- when they're small. So are adults though. They, yeah. they don't know. Like they, they want to eat junk food and lots of it, mm-hmm. they, you know. Adults do this too. They want fast food. They want junk food. They want to stay up late They would rather just binge watch movies into the night and then sleep in and then get up and have some donuts and soda And like it's just perpetual Mm self-sabotage And so many of of you adults are doing this, but then kids are doing it uh, They don't know they're like whoa that sugar hit was amazing. I want tons of that And like, well, I get to watch this movie or play this video. Yeah, I want tons of that. Like, I don't want to go to bed either. I want to do this. Mm -hmm. And so, just without knowing consequences, not understanding consequences and cause and effect,
0: they're just wanting more and more and more. More and more,
1: like whatever, like is sensational, and that is the recipe for self sabotage.
0: Right. Exactly. And And horrible behavior. And so, you have to be the one to put those boundaries in place and saying, no, you're not going to eat twenty seven cookies. No, you're not going to stay up till midnight on Netflix. You know. You've got to put those boundaries in place. And sometimes that requires you to be firm, quote unquote mean, to be like, no, this is the boundary. This is where the line, you know, don't cross this line. And that may require, you know, removing privileges. And we've talked to, we did talk about it in our last episode, actually, of like, sometimes you, you have to remove privileges from your children so they understand that this is a hard line. Because one of the problems we run into is we see all the time with parents and, and misbehaving kids, is that there are no privileges that are removed. The kid kid gets to act any way they want and still get all the privileges. So what motivation do they have to behave or to do the things they're supposed to do or to, you know, change their behavior because they get everything they want anyway. And to why c- cognitively
1: would they? understand that something is actually a privilege. It's, it's a privilege yes. if it can be taken away. It's not a right. Exactly. But if it never gets taken away, the kid's like, shoot, that's a right. It's just and a then right. They just become entitled.
0: Exactly. And so if your so child. Can, I'm sorry, gets I want to
1: say it's like, I can behave like a monster and I still get all the things I like about it. Yeah.
0: More. So why would that's I not behave like a monster? Such a
1: jacked reality.
0: So if they get everything they want, they get device access, they get movies, they get food, <laughs> they get internet, they get everything. Why would they change anything that they're doing? Because it seems, in their mind, it's working. The way I'm behaving is getting me the things I want. I'm going to keep behaving this way. And I see this especially, well, I mean, you know, with younger kids, if that's not put in place and that can carry over into older kids, and then definitely with it happens again with 12-year-olds, where if they get everything they want, why would they change their behavior in any way? They don't need to. So you have to... Use, and and this can be a hard line, It, it can be delicate, because it's not manipulation, it's leverage. Because they're privileges and not rights, they have a right to food and water and shelter and clothing. That's a right. They don't have the right to internet and devices and video games and, you know, everything else, fill in the blank. Treats, that, you know, in my mind that counts as a privilege. To have a treat, you can. All, I'll feed you, so you're nourished. But you don't get special treats. You don't get gelato. That's something you earn. You have to earn your privileges, and you earn your privileges by b- behaving in the world, which your world is your family, in a way that makes people want to interact with you and to cooperate with you and to provide you privileges. So, if my child is super annoying and pushing all the boundaries and rules and not falling to, the, not not living up to the expectations. They lose privileges,
1: especially when it's like the ultimate offense to be rude or disrespectful to the person who is providing your life. Right,
0: it's biting the hand that feeds you.
1: Yeah, that's that's the ultimate. It's an insult, betrayal, and insult. Like, oh, you provide everything for me, I'm just going to treat you like crap.
0: But if you, as the parent, take that if you're just like, oh, and you don't stand up for yourself because you still are an individual and and this is how your child learns how to behave in the world like we started this podcast with, they have to learn how to behave in the world. And if you never say, I'm a person and you can't treat me like that. And if you do, I'm not gonna provide you with privileges. If you never hold that line because you're afraid of being mean or whatever it is, you're, you're doing a disservice to your child. They're not learning that this is how the world works. Because I can't treat my boss like crap, or my neighbor like crap, or anyone, and then expect friend. that yeah. they're gonna give me stuff or provide, you know, reciprocal. still be nice
1: and friendly yeah. to me. And it's help not me gonna out. happen. Yeah.
0: So it has to be real world. And if your children aren't respecting the expectations, the boundaries, whatever, it is your duty and responsibility to remove their privileges.
1: And you, I want to emphasize this again. You don't have to do it in anger By yelling, or... yelling. You don't have to do it in anger. You don't have to rant and rave and act like a barbarian because what you're doing is modeling how to yeah. behave when you're upset. It's
0: very matter of fact and you may, you'll have to explain it to your child especially yeah. if this is new to them. You have to explain it to them. This is how the world works. I pay for these things. I provide them and these are how they are earned and if you're not willing to earn them, I'm not providing them anymore that simple now they always have the option of going out and getting it themselves and then that's a whole nother problem but if you are the one providing it and this is why it ideally needs to start young i mean if this is a problem with your teenager it's a whole nother issue you'll
1: have to apologize to them and say hey (laughs) we've been doing this wrong we've been providing everything for you without you understanding that all these things are privileges that need to be earned, mm-hmm. and they're earned through for you kind of carrying your own weight. And, uh, and we j- sincerely apologize for not teaching you this appropriately because now it feels like some weird manipulation we're starting. And it's like it's not manipulative, it's teaching you how things work, mm-hmm. teaching you how things operate. So make sure though, because this can totally backfire.
0: Well, and your child is going to not be happy about it, no. they'll be upset.
1: Right. They won't like it, and that's the point, um, because they should not like if they misbehave and there's a related consequence. That's what I was going to emphasize. There it has to be related. Like, if if they do one thing and you take away something completely unrelated, that feels really bizarre and manipulative, and that, like that's jacked, and you're just reactive. It's just like, hey, that you know that it's not okay to do that, and you were using. You know this item well for this is the cause
0: one thing we do is that if our children want to use specifically their iPad for well first of all we teach them it's our iPad and they're using it and it's
1: a tool not a toy right
0: but if they want to use it for listening to an audiobook or watching a movie on movie night or you know playing a math game or whatever other thing the only way they can do that is if they earn use of it for those things by doing their studies which is why we bought the iPads they have iPads to use because we're traveling and they need to use them for their education so if they do their education that's how they earn the use of the device for other things but if they don't do it they don't get to use the device and so the device is taken from them and they when they can't use it anyways because I have to You know, I have to do the password and everything for them to even access it. But they don't get to use it for those things if they don't earn it through those actions. That's a directly related privilege.
1: So, overall, we as parents, all of us have to learn how to behave and teach with tact and diplomacy to gain a bigger, broader understanding of what you know, especially society, this 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 specific episode is really about interacting in society and we have to understand people and we have to know where we stand, what our values are and what really matters and what Societal conditioning we're going to dismiss, and what societal expectations and and standards we're going to honor and respect. And then, with total diplomacy and tact and respect,
0: but also an
1: emotional mastery in ourselves,
0: right? But also, not being afraid to disrupt things yep. because sometimes we avoid, you know, we avoid taking away the device because our child's going to get upset yep. and then we have to deal with that. And sometimes that's why we have the problems we do is because we're afraid or we're avoiding those yes. conflicts.
1: Yes, yes, yes. We're so, we see this all the time. Parents are afraid of their kids. Right. And that's because they've never set up a, a, a firm boundary. The kid goes, if your child knows like, I can never cross that line. If you have a line they can never cross and they know it. Mm-hmm then they won't. They won't go crazy and you don't have to be afraid of them because they know, like, I can't cross that line. But if, if every time they you say, there's a line and they push it and then you back away, they're like, there's no line. That line moves every right. time. exactly. It's so inconsistent. I don't know where the line is.
0: Right. Well, I also wanted to say something, though, about the emotional mastery because emotional mastery doesn't mean you don't feel emotion. And I think sometimes people equate it with that. Like, oh, I have mo- emotional mastery, which means I feel nothing. And it's not that because I found it For me at least, especially as a mother, I think, it's been effective for me to share my emotions with my children appropriately. So if they do something that I feel angry about or I feel annoyed about, like I tell them that. Now I don't yell and scream and like freak out. I just say, I feel annoyed when you do that, or that that's annoying to me, or that I'm starting to feel angry about that.
1: Or it's hurtful. And
0: it's amazing how that's actually powerful because they need to know that they need to know that something they're doing is actually causing an emotional response in someone else. And you can do it by telling them instead of like getting upset or you know getting angry at them. You're you're verbalizing it, you're articulating it instead of acting it out. And that's been very powerful I've yeah. found. That, you know, cuz your kids want to know or they need to know how that their how behavior is affecting other people. Yeah,
1: can affect others. And again that circles back to emotional maturity and emotional development and emotional mastery because if as a if as a mother for example or as a parent we get all kinds of bent out of shape or upset or whatever about uh, over silly things or crazy things or like neurotic things and so then I'm like I, I hear what you say and I'm like oh I'm gonna start telling my kids how it makes me feel but it's it's not healthy it's not like it's genuinely neurotic mm-hmm. or even yeah. psychotic then well, this is where that backfires and it doesn't work because then your kids like wait a minute if, if I do this then it makes people f-. like no it doesn't it, that it, just
0: it definitely cannot be done in manipulation no. like don't do that because that makes me angry oh don't do that you know it gets, it's it's well, like Mrs. Bennett or something yeah or exactly oh
1: just just a mess <laughs> and and it has to be and we can't even use the word make because then you're sending the wrong message that that I've, you're a I victim to other people's actions. Like nobody can make you feel anything. Even your children. Your children cannot make you feel anything. You are 100% responsible for your feelings.
0: Right. You're feeling it because of the story you're telling yourself yep. about how you're interpreting, interpreting those actions. And so
1: you could say like, oh, I don't, I don't like when you do that.
0: And this is uh, why. I,
1: I feel like this. And, and again, you, uh, this is—it's it's a delicate right. and it has to be tactful done, balance. Yeah. You can't go around just, like teaching your kids that they're—we're all victims to other people's actions because that's not true either. Mm-hmm. But then they also need to know that their actions have effects and consequences, mm-hmm. and not just on them. So, anyways, love the stuff. There's, we could go on and on. There's so much here. Um, but thanks, thanks for listening. Thanks for caring. Thanks for teaching and leading and, and striving to be good parents. And. I don't, I don't know that we could emphasize enough that if we just allow our kids to kind of do whatever, we're actually doing them a gigantic disservice. And and I think it's worth emphasizing again, it takes a tremendous amount of courage to correct and teach our children mm-hmm. and to call I them guess. out. And and sometimes you, you might even notice it in your kids, but you don't want to say anything because you're like, well, I don't want to hurt their feelings or I don't want to, you know, I don't, I'm afraid of the reaction. I'm afraid of what might happen. And you're so afraid.
0: You're afraid of how they're going to respond. Right. You're afraid that they're going to behave in a way that that is disruptive. Or especially if you're out in public, yep. you know, and you're like, oh, I'm not going to correct that behavior because they're going to freak out or they're going to get upset ultimately you are doing them a disservice because you're not when the when the when the opportunity arises you're not taking advantage of that opportunity to teach them because ultimately that's what you are doing is teaching them and if you're out in public i've found to be most helpful for us is you remove the child and that helps them learn that this is a big deal if i don't behave in an appropriate way here i'm going to be removed to some place where i am disciplined and Mom and dad, get firm with me about this is how you're supposed to behave. Yeah,
1: and I don't get removed to a playground. No. I don't get removed to something better than where we were. Exactly. (laughs) (laughs) We're in a nice restaurant. I had to be quiet, and now I get removed to like the junk food place. We go around the corner, and I get ice cream. Like This is the best. That doesn't work. Exactly what I'm going to do. I'm going to misbehave every time we're in a nice restaurant. And
0: I I know we need to end, but I want to give one another example because this is something we've done that's worked great. Is that if the child's not behaving and we're in, say, we're in a restaurant or we're in a public place or whatever, one of us removes that child and takes them to a place where they have restricted um, opportunities. Yeah. And sometimes that's included just holding them. We're like, nope, you're just gonna sit on our lap and do nothing. If you want to be free, if you want to be able to engage with people, these are the expected behaviors you need to act like this you need to do this not do these things and if you agree to that we will go back to the restaurant or the you know the place and if you do that then they're like oh okay if i want freedom i need to behave more appropriately otherwise i go to a place where you know i get restrained or restricted in my actions and behavior and i don't want that so i'm going to choose this other thing
1: yeah. and again man there's so many examples we've seen over the years of of taking this too far to one way or the other there's you know of course allowing anything and just saying well they're kids and then they allow any kind of crazy behavior I mean, that's that's not appropriate that's not serving your well, kids even
0: as a kid they need to learn that there's a time and place for certain yeah. behaviors you can be like a kid all you want on the playground but if you're in a nice restaurant it's not a playground
1: but then then the other side of it i don't know if you remember this when you're first married we met this family, and and their little kids sat perfectly still, like statues in church. And at first, I was like, "Wow, oh, so that impressed. is amazing! I want my kids to be like that." Now I realized. Well, even that there soon was, after, we learned yeah, the was,
0: emotional
1: yeah, and relationship cost that that was horrible that that because required. the only way you can get little children to they were behaving like grown adults and to, to get a child to behave like an adult is is unrealistic and the only way to do that is is with often fear with severe consequences that remove the the child from being a child mm mm-hmm. and and it, at first it looks so admirable and so wow those they must be great parents and now I'm like oh my gosh those poor kids Poor, poor kids. And, yeah, we learned later on that there was major emotional costs for all of that and, and major consequences. So it's it's not that either. And so it's allowing the child to be the child but not be annoying. And, and I circle back again to the question of, like, if you don't teach and correct and discipline, who will? And sometimes the the person or situation that does do the correcting will be severe and there will be a lot of suffering because of it. Or sometimes it'll never be addressed. The child will never learn what's appropriate. Um, well, I man, we could go on and on because there's so many examples of where kids have come on uh, trips or camps or backhanging expeditions or international trips with me, and and these are kids 16, 17, 18, 19, into their 20s, and I can tell they've never their parents have never taught them what's appropriate, and what's not. And and I used to be just like you know a little tactful teaching here and there. But now I'm like, hey, man. Let me, let me pull you aside here. That is totally inappropriate. I'm, I'm going to hold up a mirror here for you so that you know that, like, what you're doing is not okay at all. It's not respectful. It's not right. It's not mature. It's not developed. It's like, you, you, you don't want to be like that. And, and I'll even be like, look, your parents should have taught you this, but they didn't. And it's, it's, it's down to just the simplest things, anywhere from proper hygiene, because poor hygiene is extremely annoying. Like, that, that's just one simple element. Like, you don't even how to take care of yourself to, you know, any kind of behavior, whatever. So, again, your parents, it is our responsibility and obligation to teach our children how to behave well and to not be annoying. So, let's make it happen. Love you guys. Reach upward.